0: Welcome to Stay Engage 2022. Everything you know and love about IAB Engage, but brought to you week by week. It's Engage, but offstage. Stay Engaged is hosted in partnership with TripleLift, the essential marketplace that offers advertising solutions for every channel and every objective. The only major supply-side exchange designed to make advertising better for everyone. Advertisers, publishers and consumers. How does the industry need to change in order to stop letting down parents? In this offstage audio session, Emily Roberts, co-founder of the Women in Pragmatic Network and senior associate at PwC, will be joined by Louise Watson, practice director at Propeller Group, to dig into the findings from the Exploring Parents in Media and Advertising survey.
1: I'm Emily Roberts, I'm the co-founder of the Women in Programmatic Network and Senior Associate at PWC. And I'm Louise Watson, I'm Head of PR at the Women
2: in Programmatic Network and Practice Director at Propeller Group.
1: So, the Women in Programmatic Network and Propeller Group have just done the most incredible study, right? So we're really excited
2: about it. We surveyed parents in the media and advertising space, discussing some of the challenges that they're facing in the industry at the moment. We looked at things like fertility rates... Requirement for maternity and paternity leave, as well as other things that businesses can do to support them moving forwards.
1: Yeah. And also just to raise awareness about what it's like being a parent in the advertising industry. We basically wanted to do this to kind of understand what needs to be done more, right, in the industry, but also the big factor of how this plays into the gender pay gap. So we know that the gender pay gap starts when you're 28 as a woman, not as a man. And essentially, we know that having a kid does impact the gender pay gap but it's not the reason i think that's quite important to touch upon before we delve into this study so yeah the gender pay gap in the advertising industry at the moment is 23.3 percent from the ipa census and hopefully a part of this study might be able to improve the gender pay gap Going on into the future, fingers crossed. And what we're going to talk about towards the end
2: is the Parent Good Pledge, which is a pledge that businesses can make to make them more aware of some of the things that they can do to better support parents in their businesses. So, in the industry, not a lot of companies have got leave in place specifically for fertility treatment and miscarriage. And actually, that's causing a lot of problems for women trying to navigate that part of their lives. So, about 8% of pregnancies result in miscarriage under the age of 30 and actually that goes up to one in three once you're 40 or above
1: yeah so there's a lot of amazing women that I've worked with in the advertising industry that I've had really sadly miscarriages and essentially there's not much support out there right there's all these amazing women are kind of returning straight back to work pretty much the day after which is a bit terrifying and I think it's up to 24 weeks where once you get to 24 weeks then you can have time off but before then there's kind of nothing in place, that's the law at the moment. The other side of that is, as well is the time off that's being allowed for partners to support
2: their partners who've gone through a pregnancy loss and there's a lot of things around kind of IVF can result in multiple miscarriages before it's successful but also obviously age being a factor having your partner there is such an important part and it's obviously a loss for them as well I had a situation where my husband doesn't work in the industry he unfortunately had to return to work the day after we had an ectopic pregnancy which meant I was in hospital on my own trying to navigate that without actually having any support there luckily I was in a role where the there wasn't an issue with me having the leave that I needed. But I know that there are a hell of a lot of women that don't have that
1: experience. Yeah, and that's terrifying, right? Like, if that happens to women that have jobs that they're expected to go straight back to work, you're not in the mental place and or even the physical place. Like it is, It's absolutely terrifying. One of the things that we looked at
2: was the fact that there are a lot of women who are delaying having children until a lot later. And obviously, with that being a factor, that is then meaning that they're more likely to have miscarriages, that is meaning they're more likely to need
1: IVF, and therefore a lot of these things are just more likely to come up. From the study, we found that 42% of those surveyed wanted an increased pay and paternity and maternity leave and this would really help supporting working parents and actually when you look at the statutory maternity leave in the UK it's pretty bad right so it's 90% of your average weekly earnings for the first six weeks which is fine I think a lot of people can do that in the advertising industry But then after six weeks, it goes to £626 on average a month, which is just not doable, right?
2: It's definitely not doable. And I think it's contributing to that pay gap quite dramatically because what it's meaning is that women don't feel like they can come back to work. They feel like they're having to navigate working part-time or not working at all. And it really is stopping them feeling like they can come back into the industry.
1: Absolutely. And so when you look at that stat and compare that to even the average rent in the UK, which is £1,000, it doesn't work. And one of the other really surprising stats we found was that actually, from the men that are in the industry, only 2% took advantage of the paternity leave. And we found out some of the reasons, didn't we, about why men aren't taking paternity leave in the advertising industry.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of parents that actually didn't know it was available or it was too complicated to access and actually a lot of people talked who had accessed it talked quite regularly about the fact that they maybe had two or three attempts at forms before they were approved by their businesses oh yeah um, i've heard that it is so complicated it is and i think there's also still a massive stigma about men accessing shared paternity leave so actually my own husband who doesn't work in the industry took shared paternity leave with me and when he went back into work he actually found that he had been replaced by a full-time person in his role which is technically illegal and probably something that wouldn't happen to as many women going back at the moment it does still happen though and actually it was very much positioned as something as they were doing him a favour by letting him have the time off which is a massive shame that's still how they're viewing it when actually we should be looking more at both parents being able to access that kind of leave
1: yeah and so the other two reasons that we found for men not taking paternity leave was that companies weren't providing the guidance And that men were also worried about the fact that it would impact their career by taking more than two weeks off. I have heard some stories even over the last
2: kind of 24 hours of dads actually approaching me to say that they'd either left roles as a result of not being able to access that leave. Or that they'd started new roles and actually been discouraged from taking paternity leave as well. Which is a big problem because unless dads are equally able to access leave and support working mums are not going to be able to have the same opportunities.
1: Yeah I've heard exactly the same actually I've heard this really senior guy in the industry when he stepped into a new role was advised not to take return to leave because it looked bad on the rest of the company. So one of the other factors to take into consideration
2: is when you go back to work, actually having to afford childcare. So part-time childcare, about 25 hours a week, costs £550 a month. That's kind of a UK average. In London, it's about £720 a month. So it's even more than that. I mean, that's a huge amount of money. And especially if you're not senior in your role, maybe you're kind of mid-level or more junior, that amount of money is not something that you can easily afford.
1: And this is bearing in mind that the woman's probably taken nine months off and only been on £600 a month already. So it's the fact that it's very expensive, right?
2: It is. And like government childcare support doesn't come in until you're three. So that means you're trying to navigate finding that amount of money on top of... Cost of living increases on top of rent increases and everything else. And then just
1: trying to find the money to be able to go back to work. And what's really scary is the fact that we have the second most expensive childcare in the world. So it's not even like it's the rest of the world that has expensive childcare. We are up there right at the top. One of the good things actually that came out of COVID, I think, was the fact that
2: flexible working has now just become more accepted like most businesses aren't requiring people to be in every day and if they are those conversations are a lot easier to have but we found that 97% of people found that working flexibly or core hours was one of the most important factors for them when returning to work. I think we can say it's probably 100%. Who are
1: the 3% that don't want flexible working?
2: (laughs) And actually, that's hugely important because if you are trying to navigate drop offs, pickups to nursery, wraparound care, all of those kind of things all contribute to those costs getting even
1: higher. Yeah. And I think so, there's some really great companies doing flexible working, as you mentioned. Essence actually say, They have flexible working and they have core hours where you have to work 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. But the rest of the time, you can essentially, as long as you make up the 37 and a half hours a week, you can work whenever you like. And I think as a parent, that's massively beneficial. It is. I think it's not feeling guilty about having to do drop-offs
2: and pickups. I mean, most schools finish at three o'clock, so being able to do that and then work into the evening, we're not suggesting that people suddenly work less hours, but actually just finding a way of working those hours a bit more flexibly into the evening and earlier in the morning just means that it works for everyone.
1: And so after we looked at maternity and paternity leave on this study, we wanted to understand what impact women felt they had on their careers when they had families and we found that 40% of women felt like they had negatively impacted their career and 25% of men. So essentially 75% of men didn't think they had a negative impact on their career whatsoever having a family which is slightly scary. I think that just ties
2: into all the other things we've been talking about though because Obviously, with all of these factors that women have to take into consideration, massive gaps in their careers, having to take the extended leave off, not having support necessarily from a partner at home, it's going to be women that feel like their careers are far more impacted because they've lost a year of career progression.
1: Yeah, 100%. And because of the fact that childcare is so expensive and it's just easiest if a woman's taken a year off for maternity leave, we found that only 44% of women remain full-time work after three years just because it's easier, right? It's cheaper and it's easier just to carry on essentially looking after your children part-time.
2: I think that the opportunities around like new flexible working things, so things like what we were talking about, what Essence are doing with Core Hours at the moment, I think the more that comes into play, the more likely we are to have more women that are coming in at
1: full-time hours. Definitely. And I think also because women are, it feels sometimes, running everywhere to pick up the children, drop off the children, but also that they've taken, on average, a year out, we found that 61% of women surveyed said they had been infected by imposter syndrome compared to only 30% of men.
2: And we spoke quite extensively about this today, actually, where we were talking about kind of the impact of imposter syndrome not everyone thinks imposter syndrome is necessarily a syndrome, but I think the feeling for women of not feeling like you are completely accepted in your role, not feeling like you fit in when you return back, is completely normal. And I think a lot of women have had situations where they have maybe come into an industry where it moves extremely fast, they've had nine months off, they're expected to come back in and throw themselves into it without really having any support or guidance and just expected that their knowledge from before is going to immediately transfer. And there's all these amazing things that you learn as a parent where you're trying to juggle toddlers running around in the background, where you're trying to navigate all these different things that all become an amazing skill set for working parents that they can then transfer but actually it's understanding that they're going to need some support coming back in after having that amount of time off.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of companies out there that just assume when you come back from maternity leave that you can go straight back into work. And the study essentially shows that actually we need to be giving women more support when they come back in, if that's training, but also networks as well, networking events. We found that nearly 80% of women felt that networking events were incredibly important in their career and that's why a bit of a plug the Women Programmatic Network and other networks like that out there are so important to the industry. I think this was one of the areas that
2: actually started initial conversation with me getting involved in the network which was really exciting because it's all about finding a way of making events accessible to parents so having a way of making events run around times that work better for parents so Kind of having open conversations with people about do they need things to start later or finish earlier to mean that you can do those drop off and pick up times. I mean, as an industry, we're very good at doing an evening networking drink, but actually sometimes realizing that, that does mean that it's going to be a very male-heavy audience because you're going to have a lot of women that do have to go home and do have
1: to be primary childcare provider. Definitely. And I think if it's a guy that's organising that, that might not have kids or has a wife at home that's looking after the kids, they won't even think about that. So doing something like this study is so important to create that awareness that actually, as you said, evening networking events or evening drinks might not be beneficial for everyone. And this is one of the reasons that why, when we
2: put together the Parent Good Pledge, we looked at two different areas. So we looked at what businesses can do, but then we also looked at what events can do to better support working parents so that's one of the reasons why as a result of this research we're launching the parent good pledge which we're really excited about and we've looked at two different areas so we've looked at what businesses can do but we've also looked at what industry events can do to better support working parents that either want to be involved or want to attend events so for businesses we were looking at five key areas that they need to look at And the first one is around making sure that you've got a clear policy for IVF and miscarriage, and that's including appropriate training and support for HR and line managers, and also taking into consideration leave for both parents. I think that bit's really important. It's something that's got to affect both partners. The second area is looking around prospective parents and making sure that they've got clear access to maternity policies. So one of the things that we did find was that a lot of people couldn't actually access their own maternity policies and they had to ask permission from their HR managers or their line managers just to access that.
1: And that's why the Women Programmatic Network are essentially putting together a report which lists all the major companies within the advertising industry and what their maternity and paternity leave policies are because a lot of people feel like they can't ask when it's an interview for the maternity and paternity leave but also even when you're at work and you're kind of in the three months or looking to get pregnant people don't want to be asking about the maternity paternity leave study so I think this one is going to be a real game changer for the industry.
2: So then the third area we were looking at as well was around flexible working conversations and making sure these are open and transparent. There isn't a one-size-fits-all for flexible working and actually different parents need different considerations. And actually, rather than enforcing a company-wide policy where you force people back into the office, it's about making sure that any business requirements don't alienate parents. The fourth area is around reintroduction to the workplace, making sure it's gradual and flexible and making sure there's support in place. And finally, it's about ensuring that there's appropriate mentorships so that they
1: have access to a network of parents if needed. Amazing. And that will be all up on Propeller's website with the amazing report. It will indeed. And then just one
2: final thing around industry events. So we're just looking at some guidance for them. And we've been talking to a few industry events about what's actually realistic. And there's been lots of events that have been trying to do really supportive things for parents over the last few years. So lots of things like breastfeeding rooms have been popping up and tickets for working parents looking to come back into the industry. But actually it's having a look at what you can do and what you can ask for parents who are looking to contribute content as well. So it's asking industry events to be aware of the needs of parents when they are speaking to them. So if you're selecting panellists or you're doing your schedule, actually just talking to them and finding out whether there are any allowances that they do need in place. And the more I think that industry events do this, the less likely the parents are to feel left out. And the final thing is actually making sure that online networking works. Like we've all had a massive reliance on online networking over the last few years, and it seems to have died a bit of a death, which is both a good thing as we go back into physical events, but also a bit of a shame for people that can't be at events every week. And I think one of the big areas around this is making sure that we really focus on online networking and how we can actually make that work. The report is something that we're really proud of, and we're really hoping that we can get lots of businesses and industry events signing up to our Parent Good Pledge. And if you do want to find out more information, then you can visit the Propeller website where we've got some more information on what's required.
1: Amazing. And I want to say the biggest thank you for propeller group for helping us put this survey together in the first place. This is definitely a massive game changer in the industry. And I really hope is going to make a big difference for a lot of the parents out there. And also, if you are a woman in the digital advertising industry, please sign up at the women If you want to be part of an incredible network. So thank you very much for listening. And goodbye. Bye.
0: You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session. And thanks to our partners at Triple Lift. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. In next week's offstage session, IAB UK's Chief Marketing Officer, James Chandler, discusses the fortunes and fallacies of online advertising over its 27-year history, examining how the things we love about digital ads and the things we don't started, and how they're going. That's next on Stay Engaged. Stay Engaged.